Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to Fireteam Chat, IGN's Destiny Show. Thank you for joining us. Joining me today is James Duggan on my right. What's up? Your left. Over here, Fran Mirabella. Hey, Guardians. And Sean Finnegan. I'm sad that CJ wasn't here to catch that line. I know. He loves Mm -hmm. that. He loves it when I do that. Anyway, thank you for watching. If you like the show and you listen to the audio version, please take a second to leave us a review because it helps the show grow. Now... Today we'll discuss the characters we plan to play first and why, how we hope the leveling system changes, and what we hope to see happen with raids and guided games. First, the news. Bungie has confirmed what they'll be bringing to E3 2017, and if you're attending, you're in for a treat. They didn't confirm it'll be playable, but the homecoming mission we first saw at the reveal event will be there, as well as the new multiplayer mode countdown and the inverted Spire Strike, which takes place on Nessus. Most of that was available during the preview event, however, but they will be unlocking the new Hunter subclass called Arc Strider, so players can finally get a feel for how it plays. On the Destiny 1 front, Bungie reconfirmed that their entire focus is on Destiny 2 moving forward. The goal is to put all feedback for the original game into the sequel. So, sadly, we will be stuck chasing special ammo crates until the beta this summer and sequel in September. Of course, IGN will be at E3 2017, which is days away. We'll have a regular Fireteam chat next week, but keep an eye out for an extra special episode the week of E3 right here on IGN. All right, guys, so let's talk about subclasses and which we want to play first. We're going to see the Arc Strider at E3 finally. And Duggan, thank you for joining us. Mm, You're the PC guy. Yeah. So let's start with CJ's replacement too, eh? Yeah. Don't oh, you know? Yeah. I'm you here. get to apologize a lot. Yeah, so, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, um, sorry, Canadians. Well, I'm going to play a Titan, for sure. And I'll probably wow. do the Captain America one. Uh, it's just kind of an RPG thing for me. I always start with the, the stalwart, the guardian, the protector, um, whether it's World of Warcraft or Diablo or the Barbarian or whatever. And I think the Titan's going to be where I want to start. Also, mobility is really inter- interesting to me, and they seem to have an emphasis with the shoulder charge, which I'm not sure if that's returning or not in Destiny 2. But it is. Certainly, okay. I Sort of. That. Like when you activate your super, <laughs> it's Brad's worst nightmare. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's where I'll start. Okay. Titan Brad. Brand new. Indeed. So you ran yeah. three Warlocks, <laughs> the Warlocks one, yeah. but there was a strategy there. It was about gear drops and how it was uh, created. I, and I always wanted to get a full set, and with RNG and stuff, I was going from raid to raid to raid every week. I only had three chances. <laughs> yeah. Get it as fast as possible. Get your shaders. Now um, you've played the Hunter. Now I've played the Hunter, which is my Warlock. primary for – Still no yeah. Titan. My primary for PvP now is Hunter. I, I'm going into I didn't know that. Uh, but only have played those two. I am introducing the Titan. So TBD on my choice for now, obviously. Because who knows? Maybe I'll love a Titan and shoulder charging everybody uh, as much as it was you broken. Will. You in the can't previous. beat you it, Fran. Join it. <laughs> uh, exactly. But anyway, I'm going to, you got to stick with the Warlock, man. Like that was my first in Destiny 1. I will start there in Destiny 2. Two and have you seen the Dawnblade? I can, I'm not crazy, right? Like oh, it's pretty awesome. amazing. No, it's cool. So we played, yeah, it. yeah. And if they still, uh, I, did they have Res at the event? No, Res, no, Res wasn't in there. No, I don't. If they think have Res. I don't think it's going to be there. 
So uh, whether or not, but if they have res, that's just if you're raiding, man, res is just invaluable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think they're going to have it. What about you, Sean? Yeah, rumor on the street is that there's not going to be self res for warlocks in Destiny Two, but that's just what the Reddit's been saying and stuff. I don't know if that's confirmed. I mean, it's definitely not confirmed, and I don't know where people are even getting that info. But who knows? What class are you picking? Class, uh, I'm definitely going to play Titan, and I'm definitely going to play the Captain America shield build, or what is it, a Sentinel, because, I don't know, I know kind of what to expect from Striker and Defender already, unless it changes drastically. I've been playing Titan, I've been maining Titan since the beginning of the game. Um, never going to start that Warlock, even though Dawnblade looks really cool. Oh, and you haven't played a Warlock before? Never, yeah. I play too much Destiny as is, like a third character would just be too much. Yeah, do that so. call. In Destiny 1, the last character that I really dedicated playtime to was the Hunter. So, like, each sort of section release for Destiny 1, I would try a different character out. For, like, Taken King, it was Titan, right? And then for the the final update, it was – it's been Hunter. And I really, really like the Hunter and how it plays. So I think I'm going to go Hunter, Mm. and I'll see how Arc Strider goes. I don't know the subclass pick yet. But uh, Arc Strider looks really, really interesting. CJ thinks that class is selfish because it has, like, the shade step ability with Gunslinger. Well, it just yeah. seems a little... And there's no team building there. It just seems a little weak on... Exactly. It just seems a little weak on the utility yeah. aspect. Wait, Arc Strider has a shade step as well? Not Arc Strider. Oh. I'm just saying Gunslinger. Oh, yeah. the Gunslinger class. Yeah, we yeah, haven't, yeah, yeah, We have. We don't know what Arc Strider is going to have. Hold that. We're going to see. That's yeah. <laughs> as the kids are calling it. Yeah, I, I, well, good. Well, we've at least got, uh, one of each somewhere in this mix that we'll be able to play. Well, there's only three, so. Yeah. It's, uh, certainly not as crazy of a choice. As far as we know, we were talking about the exclusive new what will class it that they're going to announce, right, Doug? In the Paladin. Exactly. <laughs> they're not. The Shaman. Around. The cleric. So, oh, so the way the progression worked for subclasses in the original Destiny is you would have your subclass where you'd have to level it all up. Um, how do you hope that they, adjust that in the sequel oh my god it takes so we, long how about it can't be anything like that it takes so long we know there doesn't a, look like it anymore we know, know there is a currency that you need to use or yeah. like some dust, sort of a maybe. dust or something like that that you use to unlock different nodes on your subclass tree it was an early build though so actually there were like different things in the footage they showed than this what we played so i'm still a little unclear about how all this is going to work but it looks like you're going to earn a thing in game and then unlock nodes in your subclass trees so is that a step towards more permanence with your character build and and kind of defining and sticking to something or is that a step towards uh, well you can still switch switch. it once you unlock yeah once you unlock it then you're free to switch them however you want but it's like at the beginning of the game none of them are unlocked and you have to gain experience in order to unlock them yeah the big the big change we should just set it up real fast is like you know destiny one there's just all of these rows there's like whatever uh eight mm-hmm. rows or whatever and then there's four circles, six circles, the circles they, and... by experience they just tick one to the next to the, and take first of all it takes forever that was my comment so now in destiny two what we saw is there's like a core of sort of where you start so to speak with your core abilities and then there's these like other um buckets if you will there's a better word for that but there's these other areas where you can Group up abilities, and what they're trying to do is that those groups play best together. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Destiny One, like you'd hear from people like, "Oh, make sure you're using Viking Funeral yeah. with this, and don't use that." And everyone was like, "Okay, it was cool," mm-hmm. but at the same time, there was actually some bad options. So they're trying to avoid that, make it more um, just intuitive for people who don't want to go through all of that. Sure. 
That's good because there were a lot of like one of my one of my big pieces of feedback about the talent trees is like one they're not a lot like they're not like RPG or MMORPG talent trees like in that you unlock one ability and then like they fan out and you can modify the abilities via different nodes later on like it's mostly just a row and you can switch the node that's in the row that modifies the ability but in those rows there were or in those columns rather there were a bunch of throwaway abilities that just like didn't seem very good at all in certain situations they were okay but that was sort of the point is at the end of the day it was probably too many options some people were worried about that though they're like wait you're taking things away i mean i think it's a valid concern is it going to be so simple that like one of those groups will always be the best or something i think Mm -hmm. that's one of the questions but um but Going back to your question, Destin, it's definitely time that it takes to get these things to plug them in. Yeah, so I how hope- long is it going to take? Because like in Destiny 1, basically you had know? to pop all your weekly bounties and you would go grind them out. You'd unlock them and it would take quite a while to finish out your sub. Oh, dude, oh, for, for – took forever. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. for weeks after I hit the max level, I was carrying around my exotic class item, the one that yeah. gives you plus 25% leveling bonus oh, yeah, on yeah. your new subclass because – I wasn't maxed out yet. Like I'd still have to, and it's a that's a bummer for Sunbreaker because Sunbreaker was the new like Titan, awesome yeah. hammer yeah. throwing stuff. I got that. Wanted easy. to unlock everyone. Yeah, I took forever to get my Warlock and Hunter, like Night Stalker and uh, Stormcaller. Yep. Uh, it just it takes a long time. It takes. And long. then they also changed the XP gains in one. Yeah. I hope I hope it's this also, new system works better. It's also different for your talent nodes than it is for your armor than it is for your weapons. Yeah, everything levels like, up at different paces. Yeah, it's why. But there's the pace of it. <laughs> I think, like, going back to your question, though, like, how do you want the subclasses to be? Were you just getting it, like, do we think there's enough um, abilities in there? Or, um... Yeah, I mean, the abilities look pretty – they look okay from what we've seen. Now, the Titan that I played as was incredibly powerful. It basically had uh, the – not the Titan Hammer. The Titan Hammer shoulder charge sort of thing. That was available what? with Slam. The shoulder rush or whatever. It is. I don't know what it's called. The shield? So when you pop hammers right now in Destiny 1. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're shoulder. talking about. Solar charge. Yeah, solar charge. Anyway, so that was available on a Striker Titan basically who you could shoulder charge in with that, then slam, then slam again, then shoulder charge out. Oh, that's how it is in yeah. Destiny 2. That's how it is yeah, in I Destiny 2. Like, it's going to be ridiculously awesome. powerful. And it's interesting to see those two mixed together. Yeah, um, that looks so cool. So I'm wondering how are some of the other subclasses going to play? How is that progression going to unlock? Are, to me, I think it's going to be interesting not knowing enough about how we're going to get the items that unlock your nodes. I think that's the most concerning part. Yeah. To me, it's mostly – yeah, it's the grind. That's all – the first thought I have is how long it takes. How do you get these materials? That's the main thing I'm concerned about. It's too early for me to say like, are there enough combinations of things yeah, that seem to be a concern. Like. Yeah, like yeah. to know, right? But, but I can say I don't change those that often. Like you sort of get to a point where you earn and you're like this is the one I really like and I think that's how it's going to be. You either like kind of like playing like this or playing like this or maybe if it's PvP versus PvE, there's a slightly different loadout, you know. Like for example, like you – wouldn't use Ionic Blink for Stormcaller in PvE. At least I wouldn't. It's just mm-hmm. going to drain it. Um, there's, it depends on if you're up against a boss. But in PvP, you always want to use it. But in other words, that's like one minor thing you change. But then there's also, as a reminder, last note, there's the new abilities within um, – so right, there's groups of abilities. But then within that, you can now like hold circle, double tap circle on PlayStation as an example to do moves within those things. Yeah. So there's actually more depth to each thing. For example, the Titan out. Shield, you can press and hold circle to do it one way and then there's another option for how it deploys Dude, that's awesome. differently. See, that's 
right up my alley is like I kind of like how the abilities are set up now. I think there's a good number of modifications, a good number of abilities, a good number of nodes. But like one, I think there's too many throwaway nodes, like nodes that literally no one ever uses because they're terrible. In Destiny 1 or 2? In Destiny 1. Yeah. So my feedback for Destiny 2 is I hope that there are less throwaway nodes. I also am worried about the time. I hope it doesn't take forever to level up the subclass. And then the third thing was bet would be that I hope that there's way more variation, like way more options for players that you can – that frankly is going to take some of your time to test and optimize and figure out what build works best for your play style. And I yeah, hope I a lot of that yeah. would be loot-driven. Yeah. Uh, at least I think that there are like a couple of golden gear, yeah. rules here that almost every RPG should adhere to. Um, and there are RPGs that have done it one way and another. But the way that I always like is one that offers choice at the beginning, offers you to uh, kind of experiment around kind of like Diablo 3. You can change your loadout at any time, even in combat, as long as you're not doing kind of the end game stuff. And then once you've played around with all these different builds, figured out what you like personally, you can start committing to one towards the end. Um, and then the second golden rule being you never want to make players choose between uh, locking themselves out of content. So your example, um, one ability being very good in PvP and not really translating to PvE. Uh, so you want to make that transition uh, easy and good and not make a player feel as though they're locking themselves to a single piece of content and not being able to experience other parts of the game. So we haven't talked about World of Warcraft yet on the show. Doug, let's, <laughs> no, let's go a whole episode. <laughs> let's it. take the training wheels right off and see if we can go a whole episode. Is there any what? lessons that they could have learned from WoW? I know I mean, you I'm played sure, a ton of them. I'm sure they have. Yeah. And, and and to Sean's point, like the talent system has gone through uh, many changes. I don't know, thousands of iterations, maybe. Um, initially being these kind of small incremental things like two percent healing after you get a crit, to then unlocking an ability at the end, and every, that's that kind of coveted ability at the end of the talent tree. Now they just give you a choice every ten or fifteen levels between three modifiers. One of them might be an active ability. One of them might be a passive ability. Um, but ultimately, only maybe. Of the ten like rows of three choices, ultimately maybe four of those are actually affecting your damage, and other ones are things that are more catered to your playstyle. So that way, it kind of circumvents that whole min-max argument of like, well, you need to pick this, or else we're not going to let you into our raid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. one of your biggest asks for Destiny Two was to have like area of effect abilities, like healer abilities, sort of. And it seems like they've expanded that with the Warlock, where you can basically drop a pool sure. and you can step into it. Is that does that? Yeah, kind of that's cool. As long as it translates to the shooter space, because mm-hmm. I think Overwatch has has been a really good demonstrator of some things translating well, other things not translating well. Um, for a while, actually, in, in the development of Overwatch, before uh, even the press got into closed beta, there was this idea of having specs or talents for somebody like reaper and one of the exact well all the characters but one of the examples was if you go uh, and activate reapers like shadow step that turns him into kind of a a wraith and he can go through people and escape uh you could either have it be you can do that for twice as long or it heals him up and you would have to level that up but they realized that that wasn't a really good experience because unlike a game like world of warcraft um you need things to be immediately readable in a shooter to be able to react to them and just doesn't feel as good to get kind of like rpg min maxed on um when you feel as though your shooting skill should be the thing that is separating you from somebody who's not that great yeah, I think it's worth saying though, with Destiny, you know, I haven't looked at World of Warcraft in forever. I think it's a lot deeper than, you know, anything we're getting in Destiny 2, just in terms of all the variations and stuff. But the way that they tend to compensate for that in Destiny, like your armor, that does a lot of different things. And that remains to be seen how many different combinations and things that your armor builds do. Mm-hmm. Like in raids, for example, usually the raid armor, or always, it does things within the raid that you're like, oh wow, it, whatever, reduce the time to kill on this yeah. one thing, or extra armor on this, or like a totally 
new ability, like when uh, Taken King came out, when you stowed your heavy weapon, which are now power weapons, it would just automatically reload. So you could quick swip, swap between stuff and plan your stuff. Anyway, it remains to be seen how all that happens. But that tends to be where you get the deeper modification. But what we've seen so far, right, I just – I think if I'm getting the expectation right, it's very simple actually. There's like just a couple groups. There's probably three subclasses. Um, but within there, there's like that – call it shade step depth, like meaning you have these four abilities. But then now holding the circle like you talked about with the warlock, you can charge up your enemies to have more attack power or recharge their health or um, defense and stuff like that. So that there's a little more depth within these buckets. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, the next topic that we were going to talk about was the new guided game system and how it's going to work with Destiny. We wanted to discuss what we think of it and why we like it. Now, why I like it is because it's basically their answer to matchmaking. We're going to be able to take the IGN clan, for example, and make a custom description for what we plan to do with the game, uh, what we plan to do when people want to join or when we want to run them through a raid. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I like their idea. Some people seem a little skeptical. Yeah, uh, I'm one of them. How, how do you sure. feel about it? Uh, it? They're taking this in the wrong direction. Like literally 180 degrees go back the other way. The the people who are in need, right, it's a supply and demand. People who know the content, people who don't know the content want to go through the content. These are – this is – the suppl- uh, this is the supply. This is the demand, right? But they've kind of reversed it and are thinking somehow with a very small six-man raid team, which is not that large in terms of online player bases, like you were going to have an open slot. And yes, that does happen. And I'm sure you can all think of examples where like, oh, man. Happens all the time. Right, right. And that happens in games like World of Warcraft too when you go into general chat and try and find somebody. But ultimately, the amount of people who are going to be able to like defer to, okay, dang, our, our sixth best player – in the clan, can't play tonight, let's go to our seventh who's already online and waiting for a raid spot. Um, I think that's going to happen way more often than than guided games. I think guided games will be a spot where there are new players and kind of new clans who are looking for members, um, which may work. But but ultimately, I think that it's there, there will always be fewer groups for very apparent logistical reasons. You need six people over here. Only one person can queue up over here. Um, and how many of those are really going to want to take some guy that they don't know through? Uh, I do think it is cool. It's a step in the right direction, but I have my reservations for sure. Yeah, I mean, mm. it's funny. That was the first... I didn't say it, I would say as, as harshly as you said, <laughs> but the first thing that I said when I thought about it, I was like, okay, if 50% of the people that play Destiny didn't get to do the raid, yeah. I was like, how is Guided Games going to fix that? They're going to have to look at that number, and what if it only comes down by 25%? That's great and all, but then you've still got 25% out there. And I had mm-hmm. – that was the same question was like, yeah, how many people are going to be available to do this, accept you, et cetera? Like, will – yeah, will there be enough supply is a great way to put it, supply and demand. Until we try it though, we don't know. Sure. I mean, they definitely looked at the community that was already providing this service. There's all these Sherpas out there that are willing to run people through the raid, and they just go to an LFG site. I mean, I think this is going to be kind of a unique situation where, hey, our clan is going to get together, and we're going to be the Sherpa clan, and we're going to be there for guided games. I, I like the quality of the experience they're trying yeah. to do, but supply and demand is a great way to put it. Like, do you think they're going to have enough um, supply to take people through. Like, if you want to play Trials, for yeah. example, like, how often can you get in that group and have somebody take you to the lighthouse? It's all, yeah. it's at, well, already that's hard, a huge That's issue. hard to do right now, but if I'm going to hop in with randos, like, I have no idea who I'm going into Trials with. That would be a really weird experience. I know, and that's what they want to fix. I'm just saying, yeah. what do you think of, you know, the supply and demand conversation? Do you think there's going to be enough guided games that, 
they're exploding the player base potentially too. I mean, granted, it's different platforms, but it, yeah. their th- goal is to grow the amount of players in Destiny. I think there will be plenty. I mean, we have uh, based on Destiny Tracker right now, there's like 500,000 people still active playing. Active players act- on weekends. Yeah, active uniques playing Destiny at basically any given time. And that's Destiny 1. So when Destiny 2 rolls out, all those players will probably tra- – or mo- a majority of those players will transition over to Destiny 2. They're going to want to run these new activities, and they'll, they'll be willing to Sherpa people. I've, it's actually kind of fun when you take a player through an experience like that for the first time. Sure. And that's but, why – that's the draw. Let's, let's imagine you even did it three times, right, in yeah. a week, which would be a lot – You've probably recruited those people, and now you have three people who are and you don't more likely to be online. Slot. You don't need that extra slot, and maybe there's a backlog of 2,000 people in this queue, and as soon as one team comes up, they take a single player, then they have to wait for a whole other team. There's this World of Warcraft. Here we go. Um, but when you <laughs> queue up for a dungeon, right, if you're one of the DPS, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of DPS queuing up. Uh, those are reliant on a tank and a healer. So if you queue up as a tank, you get instantaneous straight into the dungeon. If you queue up as a healer, it takes two minutes. If you queue up as DPS, it takes 25 because there's a ton of DPS ahead of you. So that is the, you know, that is the group that is looking to get carried, not carried through this content, but um, enabled by these other archetypes. Uh, And then the other thing that I just want to talk about is like this is a single instance or, um, yeah, an instance of kind of that larger LFG tool, right? This is one instance where, okay, we're a group of five, our six players are unfortunately offline, uh, so let's look for one more. That they could use an LFG tool that's more of a general LFG tool, whether it be Reddit or an LFG system in the game was what I was really hoping for. There, Another instance is six individual players are queuing up together and finding an emergent experience and then maybe creating a clan out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, another experience is two friends are queuing up together. Like there, there are a lot of different things that they could have addressed uh, with an LFG tool, and they've decided to focus that on a single one, which well, I, I, mean, I wonder. The only reason I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt is because they've managed to create these fantastic community experiences already with all their games. Like on Xbox, they were one of the first people to do party chat, right? And that worked out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, but 50% haven't rated. Now, we don't know how many of those 50% actually wanted to. That's yeah. what you'd really want to know is how many would have attempted and then failed out. Um, Maybe. The bounce rate, right? But I think there is this really interesting silver lining. I actually support the experiment at the beginning, I will say. Like I like the concept of the quality of life within the raid and having groups of people who have agreed on certain tenets and saying, hey, like this is us. What's interesting is it becomes a recruitment experiment too. You're at, that's the silver lining, right, James? Like you're adding people as they come in. Your group gets bigger that you're not the people that have to carry every week. Suddenly, six weeks later, oh, we just added like 50 people. And, and then like, you know they're in the, need group. the tool. And then, and then new players are not well, going in, maybe, unless. So that's what's interesting is if, if everybody just <laughs> becomes it some clan eventually, I think the goal was to at least get that first quality of life to say, hey, Work together, and by the way, if you're an a-hole, you're out. And at least what there's if, a filtering. What if the clan's an a-hole, right? What, well, if, what if the clan's then, like, get out of here, you're, you're, so, we, did, we wiped once, get out of here, we're going to queue back up and get somebody in 10 seconds. So we that asked about this. On LFG, yeah. I was wondering, is there going to be a reporting, like, I would love yeah. a star system, a review system right. for clans. Like, you know, you don't want somebody to spam it, but if real members... Like your lift driver. You can rate your lift driver. No, that's precise, rate Yeah, team. I was thinking just One like, star, like, comment... But Destin's a jerk. Accurate. But think about if it just had a rating, um, you know, of people who've been able to be accepted. Mm-hmm. But if they left, or actually, once you're accepted, maybe you can leave a rating. 
I think that would be really interesting to help, you know. Or you get locked out of using the queue for like 10 minutes if you immediately drop your member or something like that. It'll be interesting to see how that ends up working because with the LFG community right now, that is a problem. Like, they're very elitist. There's people that charge money to like run you through trials and stuff like that right now. Yeah. I like. Yeah, you know, I had to say it too. There's just a lot of young. So I look at Sean's face. He does it. No so business it. opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I think they'll crack uh, down no. on that. But I was going to say, there's a lot of younger people that want to play. And I think sometimes it's actually awesome. There's some really like patient and good ones that you know. We've run. We've run some people. Our raid teams ran some people through the raids, and it's so cool when you hear that. Like, dude, like I don't want to say anything. That's not cool. But yeah. when they say, I didn't want to say anything, but that was my first experience. It was awesome. Thank you so much for being patient. But the fact that they're so trained to not tell people that it's their first raid experience. Yeah, they're, exactly. They're like terrified they're going to get kicked and not yeah. get to do the raid. So, uh, yep. yeah, it's kind of nuts. And that's yeah. what they're dealing with right now. So I think got it. let's say it all falls apart. That brings up another concern for me, and that's the in-game reward system that they've built up around being a guide for these experiences. Yeah. The, so, like, how if they that falls apart, then the incentivizations for doing it's going to fall apart. So, I mean, there's a lot riding on it. They confirm there is, is incentives. Yeah. For, like, you'll get shaders or emblems, potentially. Yeah, there's a reward for being in, like, uh, like the, the, Sherpa, the groups. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, you probably get a guided game, some, maybe an emblem, even. Yeah. Um, that's cool. It's good they're incentivizing. I think it's don't knock it before you try it, but I agree with James' skepticism. I just – I would love to see how it goes. I haven't seen – I can't think of anybody that's tried this actually. So for all for that, I'm all for the experiment. All right. That's about all we had this week actually, a little bit of a shorter week. Anything else anybody wanted to bring up before we sign off for the day? I mean we're going to E3. I think just a, a we're reminder. We're all in E3. Can I plug it, Destin? Yes. Yes. Uh, we're <laughs> headed to E3. It starts on June 10th around 11 a.m. on IGN.com slash E3, where you can check us out on YouTube slash IGN, you know, Facebook slash IGN. And we are on Twitter live for the first time ever. Uh, you'll find us easily on the front page. They're helping us promote that globally. So it's super exciting and uh, just tons of awesome programming. So a lot of stuff we can't even talk about. Mm. Um, it's going to be a very exciting show. And just to, to build the hype a little bit, I mean, I cannot wait to see what's going on with Scorpio. I know it's an open-ended oh, yeah. question for Destiny 2. Um, PlayStation as well. Like There's just a lot of stuff going on with the exclusives. We want to know Okay, they're going to show a new exclusive strike. Is that one of the playable things there? Uh, I there can't has to, to be find a, out. There has to be a play with Microsoft. They're being pretty quiet about Scorpio. I'm like, what's but, going on? But it's locked down on Scorpio development. So you're just not – your NDA. You yeah. cannot talk about Scorpio until we talk about it first. That's the deal. That's how this works. So I think that's why. I don't think that Destiny is hiding anything. Mm-hmm. Sony has seemingly Microsoft's paid Microsoft's just like nobody can say anything. I mean, look. The, the devs, yeah. If there's a rumor that PCs delayed because Sony paid enough, I don't think Microsoft's <laughs> going to have many benefits. I mean, yeah. That's a rumor, right, that PC is not ready quite – because PlayStation's like, hey, this is going to cannibalize. Um, you that's know, a rumor. Wait, that's the. Rumor. I hadn't heard that. That's really. Crazy. It's so crazy talk, to me. This, yeah. Sorry, this is not even a rumor. I'm sorry. It's speculation from the 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 audience, the fans, okay. the community. Everybody's talking about that being a problem because nobody can provide a reasonable explanation why, why PCs delayed when it looks so great. Yeah. They uh. said, right? They told us when we asked them that question. Well, we we want to spend the time and make sure the port is right. <laughs> hey, that's a good PR spiel. That's a great <laughs> answer. They were ready for that one, um, but we're, it didn't. It wasn't detailed enough that I though. buy that. And like we talked about it, like what? It's all. What is it only off by three weeks? And if so, why? I think it's you gonna know? be two, most PC games come out about two weeks 
after the console release when it's that <laughs> why? Sort of situation. Yeah, this, I don't know this why. is a different – I think this is a different uh, circumstance. And I think that this is a game that falls squarely into uh, the PC gamer's repertoire and they want to experience. So it being delayed certainly leaves – it's a bad start. Um, obviously, that's yeah. not going to matter as soon as you get in there yeah. and play. But I think there's a really interesting dissonance between Microsoft's motif – uh, from E3 2016, which is available exclusively on Xbox One and PC and Windows, uh, Windows 10. And that was like their thing. And when, you know, I, Activision and Bungie came together and said, we're launching on Blizzard, uh, the Blizzard launcher, I was like, wow, that seems like a missed opportunity for Microsoft or something must have fallen apart there. Um, it's very exciting for me because I would much prefer that to going onto the Windows Store. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, weird. For me, selfishly, I'm sort of okay with the two-week delay only because it's totally selfishly because then I get to try the console experience, see how I feel about it, and then I get to try the PC experience Without rushing. Without rushing. I hadn't thought about that. Actually, I yeah. kind of like that now. You know yeah. what? Does everybody have that mindset? <laughs> yeah. Is that why they're doing it? You know? No. Like, I don't do a bunch think of they gamers have that mindset? Because like, of it. But actually, I want it flip. It's weird to say it. I want it's, I want both, but because the PC looks so good, I want to play campaign. Fantastic. I want that to be my first campaign experience and the thought that I kind of have to jump when, in. I mean, P- PS4 looks great, but think about it if you had to choose. Man, when I'd we played at 4K 60 and then went back to 30, it was jarring. Yeah. It no, was it always really is. weird. Yeah. I have that experience every time coming back to Destiny from Halo. I'm like, where are all the frames? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're gone. it's slower, right? It feels slower anyway. Yeah, no, I mean there's an the... adjustment period. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean also when you talk about things slower or faster, like there is – it is objectively slower. Yeah, yeah. I mean your mind frames. is – my eyes are processing fewer things yeah. uh, in that time. It is, it is jarring. Anyway, yeah. guys, that's all we have time for today. Duggan, thank you for joining us on the show. No problem. All right. Until next time, Guardians out. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.